right now the kids can head out to Children's Church where you have a lesson prepared just for you. So last week we talked about being released from our past. Now, I, I know the title of the sermon, as it was up on the screen, was Leave Your Past Behind. But as I was working out the rest of the month, I realized that uh, each of the sermons could begin with the letter R if I went back and made that one released from the past. And uh, preachers, we like alliteration. So officially, last week was being released. And so uh, we talked about how the past is not meant for the present, that you cannot put on an old jacket uh, for when you were a kid and expect it to do anything. We talked about how we need to forget the bad and the good of the past. If we are not saved by our deeds, then all of the great things we did last year don't make us any more saved, nor do any of the bad things that we did last year make us any less saved. And that was an important part that really all that matters is this moment and the choices that I'm making in it. We talked about not looking back, and then we talked about being new today, that that's the ultimate message. We have to leave the past behind in order for us to be new today. And so being, leaving the past behind means, by definition, by implication, that you are moving to something different. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about rebirth. So last week was released from the past. This week is rebirthed into new life. So we're going to go to, we're going to be in a, a number of scriptures today. I'll have them all on the screen, but we're going to start in John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Uh, this is the story of a man named Nicodemus who comes to Jesus by night, and we get a lesson on rebirth. So starting in verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Then Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus says, how can these things be? So Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Look, I say to you, we speak of what we know and we bear witness to what we've seen, but you don't receive our testimony. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him might have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. 
But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen and that his works, that his works have been carried out in God. Okay, this passage, I, I, I was sitting down, and when I was looking at this passage, there are literally six different sermons that popped up in my head, so we're going to do one. Because that's about all the time we got. But in this passage, there is so much going on and, and so much that he's trying to communicate to us about what it means to be reborn in, uh, uh, in God. What, what, does that, what does that mean, and what does that look like? So let's begin this and try to understand. Well, he's comparing it to birth. Okay, so he's comparing it to birth, so we have to examine birth. What is it? Well, there is, the, there is a conception. Something comes into being, uh, and it is inside of the mother's womb. And Nicodemus kind of hints at this. He says, he says, I'm supposed to be reborn. What am I supposed to do? Climb back into my mom and then come back out? That doesn't make any sense. And, uh, and so, so he has in his mind this image, but Jesus is using it as a comparatively, this, this concept of being reborn. So you, you are inside your mother. You develop you're shaped, you have your being, your mother grants you sustenance, uh, it is her body that feeds your body, and, and you grow. But you sit while you're in the womb in darkness, isolated, right? While you're in there, you are completely unaware that there is a massive universe that is just on the other side of that layer of skin and muscle. An entire, your entire world is just the darkness of this womb. And you're happy. And you're okay. You have everything you want. But then the moment comes when you're born. And all of a sudden you enter into the reality that your mother's in. You see what your mom sees. You see what your dad sees. You feel what they feel. All of existence completely changes in that moment when you go from the darkness then we see Jesus, as he's talking about rebirth, hits on the topics of darkness and light. Truly. Truly. Oh, yeah, that's what he says, truly, truly. Truly. Our rebirth is one very similar to the first one that we had. That we are in a place of darkness. And it's comfortable. And it's, it's small. We're in our small worlds. Our friends, our family, the people around us, maybe our neighbors, and that's about the extent. But when you become reborn, that all changes. And it is as drastic as being in the womb in darkness to coming into a universe filled with light. Being reborn in Christ is literally moving from a confined existence into one where we see as God himself sees. We feel as God himself feels. And we live as God himself lives. We live in a completely different existence when we are reborn. Now, the concept of rebirth, 
It is massive. So this morning, I wanted us to hit just a couple of points of rebirth to understand what it means that you and I, if you are a Christian, what it means that you are reborn. And if you are not a Christian, to understand what it is that God offers in this rebirth. Why would God is asking and calling to, the, to, to those who have not heard his message or have not accepted him. He is calling to you to receive this message and be reborn. And maybe no one has ever told you what that means. What, is it, what does it mean to be reborn? I'm going to tell you this one. So the first thing that we have to be, we have to begin with this. In order to understand this rebirth that we're a part of, we have to understand first and foremost that we are born of God. That sounds so simplistic, right? Well, we're born of God. Okay, we'll get ready because it's getting ready to get thick. In old, not even old English, you go back to the English of the 1800s. We've lost in English a lot of words that were very specific, okay? Um, And we'll get to that here in just a second. When the concept of procreation was brought up, they had two different words for what was happening in the development of a child, depending on whether you were a male or a female. Men cannot give birth. That's not a shock to anybody, I'm hoping. At least not yet. Science hasn't, we haven't got there. I'm sure we're trying somewhere. Men cannot give birth. Men cannot bear children. Only women bear children. They have bore their children. They have given birth. Men, the English word that used to exist that we don't use anymore is beget. Men beget children. They didn't bear children. So that's where you get, I am begotten. So for you to understand this morning, I want you to understand... You, because you're alive, you were begotten of your father, but you were born of your mother. And it's very important to understand the difference there. Now, in the, this is in agricultural terms, and I'm not going to go too far into it because it, it's just awkward. But in procreation, you use this concept. They had the concept in their minds of, of it being agricultural in nature. They believed, uh, up until recently, I'm I'm, I'm talking the past hundred years, it was believed that the actual person that was to be born actually existed in the man. And that it was in the form of of, of a seed, if you will. The man would then plant, as a farmer would plant seed into the ground, the man would plant life into the woman, where that seed, just as a seed in the dirt, takes nourishment, takes root, and changes fundamentally what it is. It completely changes and develops in the earth, and then eventually bursts forth. So the concept of procreation was that the man begat, that he planted the seed, and then the woman bore that seed, meaning that she carried it as it changed, as it developed into something different, and then it was born into this new life. That Whatever seed you have, it looks different after it has been planted. So that was the, the concept. Now maybe you're asking, why is, why is any of this important? Um, let's go to John chapter 1, uh, verses 12 to 14. We'll put that up on the screen. 
but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, born of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So if you've ever wondered, how in the world, how in the world are we born of God, but Jesus is the only son? How are we children of God, but he's the only one? Well, again, if you go back to the old English, it's a lot clearer. Jesus is the only son begotten. We are born of God. Jesus is the only begotten, meaning that he emanated from the Father, that he and the Father are literally one. This becomes important because when it talks about us, when it talks about our relationship with with Jesus. Jesus is unique in that he is the only begotten of God. But through Christ, we are born of God. Bore, bear, means kind of the same thing. Jesus on the cross gave birth to all of us. Gave us the opportunity Throughout the scriptures, you will have passages where it talks about on the cross, he did what with our sins? He bore our sins. He carried our sins to death in order that we might have life. The imagery here, and this is what is so important, Jesus is the only begotten. But the rest of us, because he came in the flesh, and that's the whole point of John. It's beautiful when you understand it, and it's all just laid out right there. Jesus, the begotten of God, God himself comes in the flesh, and he almost maternally takes upon himself all of the sins of all of men and women of all time. He bears in himself our sin, carries them to term at the cross. Where that which was ceases to be. So you and I, we come to a place in our life. That's why the old hymns talk about coming to the foot of the cross. Because it is at the cross that we reach that crossroads of that which was and that which will be. It is where we are born of God at the cross. And we become something completely new. And so we come to Christ, we are baptized in him. Colossians tells us that we clothe ourselves with Christ. That's how we are also begotten. That's how we are made whole. The begotten one of God lives inside of us and gives birth to something new. And we literally and truly become a new creation. I don't know. Maybe that meant more to me this week than it it, it does to you. But the concept that he bore, 
his pain. It's so perfect with the birth thing. In the pain that he carried in order to bring us life. It's all right there. And the life that we have now, if you are a Christian, should be as drastically woken up as moving from the darkness, confined space of the womb into the entire universe filled with light. Our existence now should be so drastically different that we would never want to go back. In fact, once you are born, most people have a dreadful fear of dark, confined places. We don't want to go back. We enjoy everything that is around us. And so it is with us. We should be so drastically different. We, if you are reborn, you have joined God in reality. You're no longer shoved off in darkness. You see, and you see everything for the way it is. You look at people around, and you see them the way God sees them. You understand your life in the context of, 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 of who he says you are and not, not what you've done. It, it transforms your mind and your heart. Through Christ, we no longer belong to this flesh. We are born of the Spirit. Something new. A whole new existence. So we've talked about who we're born of. And that's important. The rest are what we're born to. What we're born into. Not what Christ, God, carries us to this new life. What does that look like? The first thing that that looks like is this, is that we are born to power. Born to power. So I'm going to read, let's read Romans 8, 12 to 17. Let's put that up on the screen behind me. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. One more. 2 Timothy 1, 6-7. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You and I, we ought to be walking through this life with a steel backbone spiritually. We were not given a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-control. 
The why, why, what, what, what is he talking about, a spirit of fear? What does that mean? Because most of us, we don't think we're walking around, we're, we're not walking around like mice going, ah, look out, you know, we're not like that. But here's the reality, I want to wake you up to this. Every person, every human being lives in fear in every moment. The moment you cross from your mother's womb where everything is safe and warm and secure and everything you need is provided to you by that mother, the moment you come out, you are instantly and irrevocably filled with fear. The nature of humanity is that we are immediately filled with a fear of death. We have a fear of pain. We have a fear of not being accepted. We're filled with fear of not being loved. We are filled with fear of not being safe and secure. We are filled with the fear of not having any meaning or importance. We are filled with the fear of not having enough to eat. We are filled with fear. It drives almost all of our decision-making process when we are humans. Very few people work at at the job they do because they just can't imagine a life without it. Most people work for one reason, to eat. And to feed others. It is rooted in fear. My sister, I'm glad she doesn't listen to my sermons. When we were younger, she decided that she had to start buying them $100 jeans because that's what people expected. Anyone who knows me, I find that absolutely idiotic. I can go to Walmart and get a $20 pair of jeans that will last just as long. It doesn't have the same name on the label. Maybe it isn't of the same quality but I just spent a fifth of what you did, and I don't care. But she did that. Now, why? What, what motivates a human being to look at one pair of denim, look at another pair and say, you know what, I have to pay five times the price. It's the need to be accepted. To not, it's the fear of being mocked the fear of being outcast, fear. See, that's, that's what it's talking about. See, we don't, uh -uh. when you are reborn in Christ, all of those fears are destroyed. And you and I, we no longer live or make decisions based on the fears of the flesh. We make them based on the power of the Spirit of God that is within us. I am not afraid of not being accepted. I can tell you that right now. I am not afraid of anyone in this world not accepting me. Because the God that made this world has. I am not afraid of what I will wear or what I will eat. My God has promised to meet the needs that I have. I will not fear. I 
I'm not afraid of not being loved for I have a God that has filled me with all love who is love and I am not afraid to die you see Quinn last night put him down to go to sleep. Put him down. That doesn't sound right. Um, we, 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 we laid him down to sleep. Three times last night, he comes out of his room terrified, scared. We would argue, not argue, we would try to explain to him that there was nothing to be afraid of. Why are you afraid? What if a vampire gets me? Okay. And I walked that path with them. Can't believe I actually sat with my kid and said, look, I have to invite the vampire in. That's the rules. So as long as I don't invite him in, you're safe. (laughs) But we, three times this happened, we had this discussion. He finally went back in and fell asleep. Why was he afraid? What is, it, what is a child afraid of? Ultimately, truthfully, his fear is rooted in feelings of powerlessness. He actually said, he said, what if someone comes in? What do I do? What can I do? His mind, the fear comes from how do I protect? How do I defend? What what? I, and he, him realizing that there was nothing he could do. Fear is based in a lack of power. And it gives fear the power over us. And in Christ, he has set us free from fear. We get to walk, like I said, with steel spines, unafraid of anything in this world. There is no fear for us. He has taken care of everything. He has provided everything. And even if the absolute worst happens in this life and I die, what waits for me on the other side is infinitely better than what's here anyway. No, we are born to power. Man, I got to hurry. Now the next one. We are born to victory. Victory. I don't, we don't walk in victory. I, 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 we, we walk in Christ like beaten puppies, Satan's whooped dogs. We walk around terrified of everything. We're supposed to walk in victory. Listen, 1 John 5, 1 through 5, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we are children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God?
Victory does not mean perfection. It does not mean perfection. It doesn't mean, victory doesn't mean that you're never going to sin again. That's not what victory means. Victory means even when you fail or you succeed, you win the game. When you watch any game, basketball, football, hockey, I don't care what it is, the very nature of the game is that you advance and they advance. You retreat, they retreat. The nature of this game of life, you will not always be advancing. You will fall backwards at times. You will be defending against the enemy that will gain ground in your life. But we do not focus our hope on our successes now or our failures now, but on the promise that we are victorious. If you were sent to play a football game tomorrow and you were told absolutely 100% with assurance, you will win. You cannot lose. And you go out and play, when you lose yardage, you're not going to worry about it because you know you're already going to win. You're just going to get back up and keep playing. Just keep playing. You're going to advance. You're going to fall back. Okay? We as Christians, it is victory is not perfection. It is the fact that we will advance. We will win some. We will lose some. But in the end, we win the game. How stupid would it be? If you were watching TV and a receiver went downfield to catch the ball, I hope I'm making the, the right motions, goes down to catch the ball, another guy jumps in, intercepts it, and runs. Okay, he's intercepted it, he's now moving against me, what should I do? I should go after him and stop him. What would it be if all of a sudden that guy went, oh man, he took it from me. And his whole team just suddenly sits down on the ground and is like, oh, I give up. This is ridiculous. Forget it. We'd look at that person and say, let's get, let's get someone who wants to play the game. <laughs> right? There, there, there is no one on any team doing anything of importance that expects it always to go their way. Listen, I could ask you to raise... If you sinned at all in 2018, raise your right hand. Ayla, get your right hand up. Oh, you can't. It's in a sling. That's right. Every one of us put our hand up, right? Yep, I did it. You know what? You're still going to win. You're still going to win. The game's won. It's over. You're going to win. When you sin, when you make a mistake, when those things happen, don't sit down and throw a tantrum going, well, I guess it's over. No, it's not. Get up and go get him. Go after the enemy, knock him back down on his tuchus. You have victory. It is yours right now. Let's, let's act like it. And when we mess up, that doesn't take my victory away. It, it ain't happening. I'm... Mm. We're born to victory. Okay. Last thing. We are born.
to righteousness. Again, born, meaning, meaning bared. He, he, he bore us. He grabbed us and carried us where we could not go. He carried us to righteousness and made us righteous. Not because of the bad things we did, not because of the good things we did, but because he did it. He took us from what we were to what we are. We were born to righteousness. So Ephesians, oh no, I'm sorry, not Ephesians, 1 John 3, 9 to 12. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Listen, to those, those, there's key words there. No one who is born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him. Who is God's seed? Who is the only begotten of God? Christ. Because Christ lives in... Do you see how this... We are born, but the begotten is placed within us. It's so cool. Sorry. It's just so cool. For God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning. Because he has been born of God. By this it is evident, we are the children of God. And who are the children of the devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. So we are born of God, and the begotten of God is placed inside of us. And in doing so, we are made whole. We are begotten and born of the Father. And in that, because He lives in us, we cannot continue to sin. That is not saying that we are going to be perfect or sinless. It means that we will not accept sin in our life any longer. And when it happens, we will not tolerate it. We will confess it. We will repent of it. We will turn away from it. We will be changed. We will not accept the old ways of this life any longer. It doesn't mean we're not going to fail. It means we're not going to accept failure. And there's a big difference there. We will not accept failure. We couldn't make ourselves righteous. We still can't make ourselves righteous. He makes us righteous. And if you want to know if, if, if the seed of God, if Christ is alive in you this morning, it is this simple. When you sin, are you disappointed in yourself? It's not whether you sin or not. It's whether you accept the sin or you reject it. See, when Christ is in you, you can't. It doesn't, it's not right. It's distasteful. It's intolerable. You want to get rid of it. You hate that it happened. When I, when I, lose, when I lose my temper... Christ in me hates it. I hate it. Because that's not who I am anymore. That's not who I am. And I reject it. And I won't, I fight it. But the one who isn't of God just embraces it. Says, yeah, that's who I am. Can't change who I am. God, I'm just made this way. 
you know what? I want to throw this out there for anyone in this world today. There's a lot of saying, and I don't care what the sin is, there's a lot of saying that, you know what, you were just made this way. And you know what? That's absolutely right. It is. I'm not going to argue with you. We're broken. We're told that. But you are not reborn that way. You are born to a new existence that does not carry the power of the darkness from before. You might have been born in the flesh that way. You have not been born in the spirit that way. We are free. So I want to read one last passage. I've highlighted up there as we go through. You're going to see these points as Paul makes them in in Ephesians. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to end with this. And you... This is before, before, the, before being reborn. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of this air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Through Christ we are born again. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him. Elsewhere, Paul says that the spirit... The spirit spirit with which God raised Christ from the dead, that is the spirit he has now placed in you. We are raised as Christ was raised in power and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He has set us upon the throne of heaven next to his son. In Hebrews, we are told that we will judge the angels themselves. They will answer to us for what they did. So that in the coming ages, He might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And there we see that we are born to righteousness. God has a plan for each and every one of us. And sin is the hindrance of that plan. when you're having a child or a grandchild is coming, you can have all of the expectations for all of the things they can do in this world, and that's great. But if they're never born, they could never attain them. And so those in darkness, those without Christ, we are walking. We can't fulfill the purpose for which we were made. And so he offers us to be born of 
God, to be born of himself, that he will carry us, that he will fill us with power and set us free from fear, that he will give us the victory over this world, over this life. offers all of this this morning. A righteousness you can't earn. He just asks for you to receive it. If you're not a Christian, that's by coming and confessing and being baptized. If you are a Christian, it is deciding this day that you will no longer walk in fear. You will walk in the newness of life power and in victory and in righteousness. Let's stand. We're going to sing our song of invitation. If there is any need, anything